Mm, is it working? Can y'all hear? Okay. All right, I'm real. Well, thank y'all for coming. Welcome. Tonight, we're going to be talking about influence. Now, we've been, uh, we've been going through and trying to unpack what it means to be a fruitful disciple, what it means to walk with God, to have, him, have his power transform your life. And, you know, we have illustrations of what that looked like 2,000 years ago, but what does it look like for us today? So we've been doing themes. Um, again, the theme tonight that I want to talk about is influence. Now, influence is a really, really broad term. Um, and I'll admit I, I really kind of struggled to grasp, you know, what God wanted me to communicate tonight. So, <laughs> so here goes. All right. I wish I had a clicker. Oh, yeah. Wow. Maybe I do have a clicker. I don't know. So, yeah, you know, I think we've got this idea of, you know, Star Wars almost. Or, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, uh, you know, who, who here is a Star Wars fan? Anybody? Who here is a fan of the new movie? Steve, don't lie. No, actually, you might be. <laughs> Come on. That's a separate conversation. Um, yeah, so I, I am the nerd you're looking for, right? It's like he's putting this spell of influence on this lady, and she's not buying it. So what do you think when you hear the word influence? I know for me, uh, I, I've got sisters, so the first thing I immediately thought of was going back when I was younger and my mom saying, you better be a good influence for your little sister. You know, she's looking up to you, and everything that you do, she's going to try and emulate. And, uh, of course, that made me want to do the opposite, you know. I was like, well, yeah, right. Yeah, right, Ma. Uh, you might think of sports. That, you know, uh, that defensive play was great. They really influenced that shot. They really uh, influenced that pass, and the pastor wasn't able to catch it. Maybe you think about <laughs> illegal, you know. Like, Your Honor, I wasn't under the influence when I hit that mailbox with my car. I've, I've just got really bad night vision. Right. Or maybe you think about, you know, you hear it a lot today, actually, outside influence in elections. You know, we, we hear that on the news uh, often. So I looked up influence, uh, influence defined, and I thought the, the definition was really interesting. Um, so it says the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. Now, when I stopped and I kind of thought about that, it, it really is profound when you, when you look and you think about that. I mean, the effect on someone's character, so who someone is, the effect of someone's development, who they become, or their behavior, the things that they are doing. That's really, that's a, a big responsibility and it's a big Almost, it's almost sort of like a power when you think about it. So, um, if we can go, yeah. 
So then I started thinking, you know, influence, how does influence manifest itself around us? How does influence happen? And so I started thinking. Um, we see it a lot, actually. We've got consumerism, especially in America, where commercials and advertisements are constantly jockeying for you to spend your money here, you know? When we, when we leave here tonight, some of us might be facing that, that, uh, that food option now, where it's like, do we go to KFC? Do we go to La Cocina or, or whatever? And commercials are, are vying for your money, right? Uh, we see it in peer pressure. Walk this way. Talk this way. Listen to Aerosmith. We see... Uh, oh, some feedback. It's influencing my... Okay, there we go. We see it there when there's feedback. It influences my train of thought. Uh, you know, there's mob mentality. You, you go to a sporting event and everybody gets mad at the ref. Ah! Uh, we have political reactions. What's that? Ah! I'm pretty sure that's the exact pitch that everyone makes when they, a call doesn't go their way. Ah! Uh, we, you know, we even see it in church. Depending on which church you go to, people behave differently, people dress differently, people speak differently. Sometimes you feel like it's okay to share. Sometimes you feel like you just need to like, straighten up and fly right and hope to just fly under the radar. And you kind of get that vibe from everybody. Uh, and this is cultural as well. You know, what you wear, your haircuts, your mannerisms, your attitudes, your worldviews, all of that is influence to some extent. And then you can even get into what are, you've got natural influences in the world, right? We've got this effect of gravity that's keeping everybody in their seat right now. It's keeping me on the stage. My force of gravity feels a little too strong these days. Uh, We've got magnetism, which is actually, I thought of gravity and then I thought of magnetism. Those were kind of the first two things I thought of when I was thinking about influence. Like this, what does it mean to be influenced by these invisible forces? And um, yeah, so then I thought, you know, <laughs> oh, this is a picture of a girl with the wind blowing through her hair. But the idea is that the wind comes and goes, uh, and the passage is John 3.8, so if you want to turn there, I just thought that was a, a really fitting description. I, personally, I love natural things that have spiritual truths in them, or that they point to spiritual truths. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and uh, they're talking about the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're talking about being reborn, being born again. And, uh, and Jesus says, you must be born again. At verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So I just thought that was a really interesting way to describe influence and to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. It's like we see its effects everywhere. You know, we see it uh, with the people that we meet, but we, we don't physically see it, but we see the effects of it, right? So, why does Christian influence matter? Well, as a believer, you should want everyone to experience the peace 
and the joy, the forgiveness that you have found in Jesus. You should want everyone to. Um, so that's the first reason. But the second reason is there, there are going to be people in your life. There are already people in your life, I guarantee you, that you that they're not going to listen to a pastor, they're not going to listen to a preacher, they're not going to listen to a priest, any kind of clergyman, you name it, etc. But they'll listen to you, and they'll listen to your story, and they'll, they'll believe what you say about God. And they'll be watching. They'll see your motivations. They'll see how you respond to things. And you will have chances to speak into their life how God has impacted yours in a way that people, other people that are you know, preachers or pastors or people that don't have that relationship never will. They won't, they won't ever be able to speak into their life the way that you'll be able to. So, oh gosh. I, get, I can see the uh, slides before, and uh, I'm already getting embarrassed. So you guys are in for a treat tonight, let me just tell you. All right, so observation number one. We are creatures of influence for better or for worse. So it, this is just going to display how stupid I actually am. So I'm writing this sermon, right? And I'm, I'm like researching, and I'm thinking of ideas, and... I'm like, well, you know, what about those, those shoe ads that promise that you'll be able to jump way higher if you, uh, you know, like if you just buy the shoes, all of a sudden you'll be able to jump and dunk like Michael Jordan, right? And so then I start looking for an ad, and I see one, and I'm like, well, actually, that's pretty compelling. <laughs> you know, I start reading more about, you know, the science of it and how they've got this spring technology. And uh, anyway, thank goodness Blair, no, I didn't buy them yet, but... But, yeah, I, I will say yet. And, of course, Blair just shook her head and said, wait, you're, you're writing a sermon about influence. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they got <laughs> Yeah, they, they got me. Yeah, but how, so how do we know this is true? Well, if you, there are crazy clubs everywhere. Uh, there's, a, there's a commercial on Facebook that talks about, you know, join find your club, and then it just shows all these people doing crazy, crazy things, you know, like, yeah, just crazy stuff. Uh, the, the one that came to mind was the polar bear club, uh, where people just voluntarily jump into really, really cold water every week for no good reason, just, <laughs> just so they can say they're in the polar bear club. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we are creatures of influence, whether we like it or not. Oh, here we go. Uh, so we see this a lot in uh, high school and middle school, and uh, this actually took a lot of research to find this uh, angsty, so full of angst. Uh, but uh, yes, yes, that was me, sadly. I was so misunderstood. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> If you're really going to blame someone, you need to blame Fallout Boy and My Chemical Romance and all those emo bands that were cool at the time. And uh, Anyway, so we are creatures of influence, whether we like it or not. I can see I've lost half of everybody. Every, all the guys are just crossing their arms like, man, I ain't listening to this. That's okay. So what's some scriptural support for this, right? 
other than my emo pictures. Uh, Proverbs 13.20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 27.17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. And then Proverbs 22, uh, these were just some of the, the low-hanging fruit, but the, the Bible was riddled with stories, uh, riddled with Proverbs, riddled with Psalms. Uh, three of the stories I thought of, Adam and Eve, uh, obviously they were influenced by Satan to take the fruit. Lot's wife, Genesis 19, which was actually Tim's, uh, uh, if you haven't heard, Light Steps, um, you should really download it. It's really great. Um, there's, there's your plug, Tim. Woo! Um, but Tim talks about this one in, uh, in his sermon. Uh, and then Aaron and the golden calf. How, you know, as soon as Moses goes up to, to meet with God, Aaron is influenced by the crowd to basically just fashion, makeshift this idol, uh, so influence really does happen, um, for better or for worse. So observation number two. As Christians, we want to influence other people towards God, right? To influence other people towards God, we first have to be influenced ourselves. Now, when you stop and you think about it, this kind of makes logical sense, right? Like it would sort of be like, somebody coming up and asking you for directions and you have no idea what they're talking about, where they're talking about going and being like, yeah, sure, follow me. Like, it, it makes no logical sense. We understand that. So, I told you guys the first thing I thought of was magnets. And it's really a shame I got cheap magnets off of Amazon because <laughs> uh, I dropped them and, of course, they cracked <laughs> like immediately. But, um, but I would love to do some kind of uh, demonstration. So can I get a couple volunteers? Doesn't matter your age. Yes. That, yep. All right. So I need a couple more brave souls. Yes. Yes. Those of you who sat in the back, that's why, right? Good choice. All right. So I've got some big paper clips. And I've got some little paper clips, and then I've got the remnants of two magnets. So what I want you guys to do is, for the big paper clips, I want you to try and take one and touch it to another one just like this. So I'm going to hand each one of you. I'll hand you another one here. So we'll say the big paper clips are two adults in your life, and we'll say the little, little paper clips are your friends or your siblings or, so, do you have brothers and sisters? Three, oh, right, there you go, there's three. How many you got? What's the count these days?
Okay. So now, here's the whole point. I want you to try and take any one of your paper clips and pick up one of these. So let's say you want to tell, let's say you want to lead your parent to, you want to influence your parent to know God. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So you can try. So just try and. Oh, that was pretty good. Actually, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Way to break the illustration, Peter, with your smarts. Yeah, we do. I know. I, I, I did think of that, but... Okay, well, now you all know how to do it, so... All right, all right, all right. We know you know how to do it, too. Go ahead, just further... Just, yeah, just further destroy this analogy. Sounds so good in my head. Okay. Now here's what we're going to do now. Now that your way's failed. Let's pretend like this magnet is God, right? Now let's say you want to influence people in your life. So first, let's, uh, who wants to go first? Okay. So that's you. Now let's say you want to get somebody else on there. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. There you go. Right? Yeah. Now the illustration's starting to come alive. Let's see. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh, I need to read the Bible a little more. Oh, there we go. There, yeah, now we're talking. All right. Now, <clears throat> now this is the idea, right? Is that, and this, thank you, thank you guys. All right. This is the idea, is we can't lead anyone, supposedly, at least in a, at least when I tried to do it myself. We can't lead anyone to God if we're not plugged into God's power, right? So I can't pick up the paperclip. But if I'm plugged into God, God will work through me. Oop, he just jumped on me. And it'll draw people towards God. You want to put those on there? All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for, uh, yeah. So, that's the whole picture, right? If we are going to influence other people towards God, we have to be influenced by God ourselves, right? Straightforward enough. So, if we go to um, this passage, 1 Corinthians 15, we can see this in Paul. We can see this in Paul's writing. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Mine got cut off, so let me... That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though a few have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So I highlighted, just so you guys can see, Paul only preached what he received first. And if he said, this is what I think, he made a distinction to say, this is what I think. But Paul couldn't do any of this before he had met with Jesus. Before that, he was just a religious, a super religious guy who was above the status quo of his time, but he wasn't walking with God, and he didn't have the power or the authority to do any of the things that he went on later to do. Which leads me to observation number three. Christians are all called to be influencers of good. This isn't just the job of the pastor, the elder, the deacon, the bishop, the priest, the clergy. All Christians are called to be influencers. Now, if you were to, uh, if you were to just try and find justification for this in the Bible, you would easily find it. It's everywhere. It's in the Great Commission. Uh, it's in the Beatitudes, which I'd actually, yeah. But I've always liked this passage. Um, but my point is we're called to proactively, all of us are called to proactively show people God. It's not just, again, it's not just the, the elders. So this is Jesus talking. Um, this, it's from the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All believers are called to demonstrate God's light to, people, to the people around us. And then um, I was looking for images, and I saw this lighthouse, and I thought it was really cool. And then I thought, man, I would hate that electric bill. <laughs> like, do the, the people under that house get any sleep at all? I don't know. <laughs> so let's talk about how, how do we apply this to our lives, right? So application one, how do we live a godly influence in people's lives? Well, if we go back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, there are two things that I think we can learn from Paul. So the first thing is to pass it on. So when Paul learns the gospel, when he meets Jesus, he passes it on. He passes it on to other people. He doesn't go live as a hermit and never tell a soul about the good news that he's found, right? He goes and tells... Well, for Paul, he tells as many people, you know, I mean, he's, he's kind of an extreme example, but he's a good example. 
because, again, he, he meets Jesus, he is transformed by Jesus, and then he goes and starts just telling people. He, all he does is he starts telling people what happened. And as he's telling people what happened, God starts showing him more and more things about, about himself. And then he starts writing these letters. But the first thing, you know, he passed it on. So talk about your faith to people. Let the discussions you make reflect your belief. Let the decisions you make reflect your beliefs. So that's, that's easy enough to say. It's so simple. You know, just pass it on. Just pass it on. <laughs> just tap it in. So it got me thinking, why don't we pass it on? <laughs> no, think about it. So why don't we pass it on? Well, I, I thought about this, and these are kind of my honest answers. Um, the, probably the main one is I, I don't want people treating me differently. Um, you know, I have been, I, I worked, um, I've worked in ministry, and I've worked outside of ministry. And when you work outside of ministry, people have so many misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian that, and I've seen it. I can see it the moment I say it. You know, the moment I say it to somebody, I can see the reaction is either good, you know, either they're a believer, or they have all this baggage about what Christians have done to them in the past, or what they've heard. Um, and there's just all these rumors about Christians, and so many of them aren't true. But, so I don't want people to treat me differently. So, I struggle with telling people I'm a Christian because I just want them to see what I'm doing and just know that I'm a Christian, you know? Um, but I feel like if I tell them up front, maybe they'll judge me and they'll just put me in a box and they won't really take me seriously. Um, or I don't want people to think I'm judging them, right? Uh, Christians have a long history of judging other people outside of the church and judging people within the church. Um, and I don't want people to think that of me. Uh, I don't want to say the wrong things and look stupid. Uh, I was just talking in uh, our Life Together group. Uh, my current manager is a really, really bright guy, and his whole life has been based on science. You know, he's an engineer and mathematics, got his master's in mathematics and engineering, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's got this long pedigree of scientific achievements. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get into like a scientific argue with him, argument with him and then feel stupid, you know, um, which is pretty, it's pretty uh, trivial, but I'm just being honest. Uh, I don't want people to point out all the ungodly things I've done or I am doing and call me a hypocrite. Um, this is another one I struggle with. Uh, sometimes I don't want people outside of the church to know that I'm a Christian because I don't want to have to live up to a standard that I know they're going to be looking for, you know? And lastly, it's becoming culturally unacceptable to discuss your faith as a Christian. So that kind of ties in with all the other ones. Um, you know, it's getting to the point where everyone wants you to, you can pray, you can pray for your lunch or whatever, but you better not tell somebody 
uh, about Jesus. You better not tell somebody about what the Bible says about their actions. Because um, those are, you know, those are fighting words these days. Um, but, you know, I, I want to say, if, if nothing else tonight, that it's okay to pass it on. It's okay to pass your faith along as long as you do it kind, kindly and respectfully. It, it was culturally unacceptable for Jesus and the disciples, too. And that's why so many of them were martyred. You know, like, when I was coming up with my excuses, the, the slide before were my excuses. Um, and then I started, stopped and thought about it, and I was like, well, <laughs> it was pretty culturally unacceptable uh, back then, too. You know, it was, it was unacceptable for Jesus to say he was the Son of God. And it was unacceptable for the apostles to claim he was the Son of God. Um, that's why they, their lives were in danger so often. So it, it's not like our culture is, is the only one and, you know, we're uncomfortable. And uh, there's this guy I work with named Mitch. And I got to uh, actually... I got to talk to him this week, and it's the first time I've told him I'm a Christian. We've, you know, we've been, we've gotten along really well, and uh, we've, we've, um, we've just been working together closely as he's trying to teach me things. And, uh, and I've, I've almost said it to him a few times, and then I've, I've stopped. And this, uh, I've, I'm actually on call now, and. Uh, <clears throat> That just led me to say I'm I'm going to be preaching um, from six to seven thirty. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach that long. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're almost done. Don't worry. Uh, but anyway, it it just led to a really good conversation. And I, but I was so scared at first. I was scared for all this long, long laundry list of reasons. I didn't want him to treat me differently. I don't you know I don't want him to think I'm judging him. Um, you know I don't want blah, blah, blah. So, but it ended up being this great, great conversation. Uh, we talked for over an hour. We talked at lunch, um, and he ended up telling me, you know, he has always wanted to be a missionary, and uh, just stuff, I, he started telling me stuff I never would have ever known or guessed about him, and here I was so scared to even just tell him anything, because I'm thinking, you know, all these stupid things. And it ended up being just a huge blessing for me. Um, it, it just really, really blessed me. Uh, and I felt like God was teaching me a good lesson um, that you just, you don't ever know. You don't know what God is doing in someone's heart. So, <clears throat> application two, don't let God's grace to you be in vain. Now, this is more of an attitude of Paul's. Uh you can kind of see it in verse 10 when he says, but by the, gr- by the grace of God, I am what I am. That should be grace, not, not grave. <laughs> by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Uh, he goes on to say he, he just worked harder. He worked harder than the other apostles, and he felt like he, he had to, like that was his response to God. Um, and he didn't, I'm, I'm positive, he didn't feel like he had to earn his way to God because he already knew Jesus did that. He just worked harder out of response. 
because he didn't want God's grace towards him to be in vain. Um, and I don't either. I don't want God's grace towards me to be in vain. So, Paul was able to see the difference between a lifetime of empty religious works and having a personal relationship with Jesus, being in right standing with God. He saw this as an obligation for the great mercy he'd been given. We don't get the insight into Paul's motives because he encounters Jesus, before he encounters Jesus. We don't know what, why he's doing all these things, if he's doing them out of religious acts or vanity or self-preservation or he just earnestly wants to know God. Maybe a combination of all of them. But we do know Paul's motivations after he meets Jesus. So, I always like to end with questions. Um, actually, I think it was, a, it was a question that Shannon had uh, last week that really... Um, really kind of pricked my heart. And so um, I want to end with some questions too. So when was the last time that you felt influenced by God to do something good? When was the last time you thought about your influence on others around you? When was the last time you talked about your faith to someone? And when was the last time you felt so close to God that you wanted to share him with others? Thank you guys for your time. Um, please uh, think and pray about who is in your life right now and why they're in your life for a reason. So please start asking God what that reason is. And I pray that, you know, God gives us clarity on all of that. And, uh, and we all go out and we're just like these magnets where they go. You know, people just start coming to know God. So let's pray. so close to you that uh, we can't help but influence other people for good.